Hoop Journal podcast today. I'm joined once again by Big Joe Gall, resident Hawks fan here at the Hoop Journal podcast. Uh, now, Joe, last time we talked, we talked Hawks. Um, there were just eight games into the season. Uh, we're just starting to get the early returns of the the Trey Young, Dejounte Murray backcourt, and now as it stands, we're recording here uh, Saturday night, January twenty first, and the the Hawks are currently playing the Hornets right now, but they stand with a twenty four and twenty two record on a five game winning streak. Uh, they're the eighth seed in the East right now, two and a half games ahead of the ten seed Bulls, just a half game back of the six seed, uh, which is a tie right now between the Heat and Knicks. So I want to start. We're going to get to a whole bunch of different uh, Hawks topics here, but I want to start with. Just asking you what your your biggest takeaway has been from watching this team, you know, now more than halfway into the season. So the most glaring thing I can think of is obviously we still can't shoot worth a lick. Mm-hmm. You know, AJ Griffin. As much as I adore AJ Griffin, and he's been huge for us this year, you can't ask a rookie to step in and fill the shoes of someone like Kevin Herter. And we see what he's doing now with the Kings and how great he's been with the Kings and how critical he is to their success. That's really why I think so many hands pardon me, fans of the Atlanta Hawks were so upset when we saw the trade is we understand what he brings to the table. There, there's nobody here questioning what Kevin Herter brings. And losing him is not just losing a shooter. Understand it's losing a floor spacer people had to respect. Mm-hmm. And that's critical is, yeah, there's a bunch of guys in the NBA who can shoot. Some guys, that's literally all their job is, a la Duncan Robinson. All his job is to catch that ball and shoot the thing. Right. Problem is the Hawks not only don't have those guys, we now don't have a threat beyond the three-point arc that people genuinely have to respect. DeJounte's never been that. I don't think he ever will be just watching him play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Trey is certainly not that. And he's regressed this year, which is incredibly alarming to me. Yeah. And I think you you made a great distinction there between a player that is just a good shooter versus the type of player that defenses really has to respect as a floor spacer because um, you know, like DeJounte Murray, I'm pretty sure is shooting something like 40% from three um, in the last few games, but uh, he's not someone that, you know, you see him space in the corner. The defense isn't really thinking about him the same way they would a Kevin Herter when they see him in the corner or, you know, coming off of off wall screens, that sort of thing. So, yeah, the, the Hawks have definitely lacked that. Uh, I think that that's like the, the most glaring thing with this team is like they added a really nice on ball creator to help support Trey. But in doing that, they had to offload a lot of their their off ball scoring. So, yeah, I think the loss of Kevin Herter has definitely been you know, very noticeable watching the Hawks this season. But I do think A.J. Griffin has done a pretty solid job, especially for a rookie in like starting to fill that role. But, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been able to f- fully, you know, fill that role that, that Herter had. Absolutely. And, and again, you know, we go back to Trey being I used the phrase uh, previously on this podcast. You know, Trey Young is a defensive black hole. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what you do, you're probably always going to struggle uh, certainly numbers wise statistically defensively but even just realistically on the floor with him there because so many people can take advantage of his size and his lack of lateral quickness the defense hasn't actually gotten significantly better like i hoped it would mm-hmm. um, i think Dejounte is still Dejounte murray he's one of the best on ball defenders at his position in the nba however i thought onyeke okongu was going to be ready yeah and he has not been ready and that's apologized to Clint Capella. You know, my, my apologies, yeah. man. We need you badly. But that's alarming as well. You know what I mean? We have to pay this kid eventually. Are we going to pay him? Are we going to move him? Because the Hawks also haven't made any moves. John Collins is a, a, a non-factor. And he's been, I won't say excellent defensively, but for what he is, he has been very good defensively. And he brings that energy and that athleticism to the defense that really no one else in the Hawks does. So... I don't know what the solution is going forward. I really wish there was an easy answer, but there just isn't. The longer you wait, the lower John and Clint's trade value gets. It it It's a messy situation right now to be in. Yeah, yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. I did want to ask you about the defense, though, and I don't have a ton of numbers um, to back this, but I do feel like just watching the Hawks in their last few games, we'll call it just say this five-game win streak, do feel like the defensive intensity has picked up from really from everybody, like, um, I know Okongwu had a really good game against the Pacers a few nights back. Um, Trey Young, I have here, he's averaging almost two steals a game in the last uh, in the last three weeks. So I, I do feel like the the defense has ticked up a bit in recent weeks. But have you have you been seeing that as well? I've seen the intensity go up, and that's a positive. That's an up. You know, whenever something trends in that direction from an intensity standpoint, I'm happy. 
because there's a lot of guys with natural talent who are able to do things defensively. You know, DeAndre Hunter comes to mind. He can do a lot of things defensively. But is he playing with that tenacity and that intensity, or is he kind of just going through the motions, looking for opportunities? The fact that Trey's averaging almost two steals a game tells me he's doing the thing Steph did his unanimous MVP season, which is mm. he's looking for the ball in passing lanes, right. picking it off, which is someone his size, something Steve Nash was actually very talented at doing that people forget. At that size, you have to be able to do that. Now, yeah, it's a risk. You're going to leave your man. You're going to leave him open if you can't pick off the pass. I'm okay with that as long as the intensity and the desire to do it is there. Right. Yeah, so, you would definitely take you know him gambling for steals rather than just being a black hole like he usually is. So, and yeah, I'd much rather you be a, a, a guy. I'd much rather see you on the floor, you know, having do- dove for the ball in a passing lane than be, sit there like a traffic cone while somebody goes around you. You know, right? Yeah, and I think you know having Dejounte Murray as his backcourt partner helps him be more more aggressive in the passing lanes and things like that. Um, Capella as well as a rim protector. So, um, I, I want to ask you what you think about sort of like this current Hawks group, what their ceiling is, how close they are to being as, as good as they could potentially be. Like, do you feel like they're like this team kind of is what it is and they, they're going to have to shake something up in order to reach a new level? Or do you feel like this mix could reach a higher level? They just haven't gelled properly yet. I hope they can reach a higher level, but my, my, my heart tells me yes, but my gut tells me no. Mm. And my head is full of questions about one DeAndre Hunter, when are you going to show up? Because for a guy who wants a max deal, for a guy who wants to be the number two, number three type of option, I'm not seeing that same intensity. It's one thing to do it against the heat when everybody on the heat is focused against Trey young in the playoffs and you're able to pop off for 26 points, 28 points, 24 points, whatever you want to do, because there's less intensity on you. We need you to replicate that not only during the season, but going into the postseason. Now is the time we should be heating up. And yeah, I get it. We had injuries. Clint Capella was hurt for a stretch there. Trey struggled a little bit. Even through that, guys need to be able to step up and fill the role that they are being not only paid to do, but want to be paid more to do in the future. So do I think we can reach another level? I don't because I don't think there's a solution where you can find a useful offensive slot for John Collins on a consistent basis. If Trey and DeJounte are going to continue to combine for 40 something shots a game. Right. Yeah. The, the John Collins piece of it is what makes it so tricky. I think for like the Hawks reaching their ceiling is because he is a really talented player. Like he could be a, a 20 and 10 plus guy in the right situation. Uh, but he's, he's a tough guy to sort of maximize. You know, he, he's one of those players like, the the poster child for this in my mind is like Karis LeVert is like if you want to maximize Karis LeVert you have to give him the ball way more than you should be for a team that's trying to win you know what I mean his usage rate just has to be higher than what it should be in order for him to be maximized and I feel like John Collins in a similar boat where he could be averaging 20 points but is that the best situation for the team I'm not so sure so that's what makes it tricky but the reason why I wanted to ask you about you know sort of the team ceiling is because I saw and I thought this was really interesting their win against the Heat uh, just a few days ago was the first game all season in which they had their entire roster healthy for all 48 minutes, which I thought was was pretty interesting. It's the story of the Atlanta Hawks The since we made that Eastern, what was that, 2021? Yeah, so since that, that playoff run in 2021, and even then we were banged up, you know. Not having bogey has been so, so hard for us. Mm-hmm. And again, if you ask me to choose between him and Kevin Herter, I still want Kevin Herter for the youth and for the energy he brings. But, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a guy you have to respect from beyond the three-point arc when he's healthy. Now, the trick is, can he stay healthy? Can he continue to be healthy? And what role does he actually fill on the team now? Is he a three? Does he come off the bench consistently? Like, where, where does he fit best? You pointed out it's the first game all year. We've had 48 minutes of players fully healthy. As great as that is, we're 40, what, 42 games, 44 games into the season at that point. Right. You know, it's just, there should have been an adjustment already. Mm-hmm. You can't wait 40 games to worry about a healthy roster making that much of a difference, if that makes sense. You, you cannot focus on that. You have to focus on making the adjustments. And this is my gripe with Nate McMillan, as I don't see, I think he's a great coach. 
just first of all. I think he's a really, really, really good coach. I think he coaches guys who don't have necessarily the highest talent and sort of like a Mike Budenhoser and makes them look even better than they are maybe perhaps or just builds a system where they can thrive. I don't think it works with a superstar duo like Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, unfortunately. And I think we're seeing that this year is it's starting to unravel a little bit. So yeah, just expand on that a little bit because I think that's really interesting. Because I do, I do have a lot of respect for Nate McMillan as a coach as well. But that was, um, I'm curious to just hear what else you have to say about that. So if you think about his time in Indiana, right, mm-hmm. which is obviously when they let go of him and we snatched him up as an assistant coach, I was like, this is going to be brilliant because there's no way Lloyd Pierce is going to last another full season as the head coach. He didn't. Right. Yeah, Miller takes over. We go on a run. You think, boom, right there. That's your coach of the future. The problem is, while I do believe that Nate McMillan has a great motivator of men and he's great at, you know, helping guys understand what it means to be a part of a team and play better as a team. He didn't have a trade, you know, love him or hate him. You, I don't think it's fair to deny Trey's talent and to say that he's not a good player or anything, you know, silly like that. He didn't have that type of player in Indiana. His best player would have been... Hoyan Bogdanovich or I guess that one season of Victor Oladipo, right? Victor Oladipo, that one season where he was an all-star. Yeah, there you go. And I would argue Trey is, you know, much better than Victor Oladipo when Oladipo was healthy. So I don't necessarily think that his coaching style is a problem, but much like Greg Popovich's coaching style doesn't necessarily adhere to superstars, Tim Duncan notwithstanding, but he's again, he's a sort of an alien in that sense. Right, right. superstars you know i think nate mcmillan suffers from the same problem which is he wants everybody to be involved in the offense he wants everybody to touch the ball he wants the ball to move he wants everybody to feel like they're a part of the team and to be involved in a team game plan the issue is it feels like sometimes he acquiesces to trey too much whether he just says you know what trey you're the superstar here's the ball go ahead try and make something happen other times he says well you know trey you tried that before. It didn't work. Let's go with a team game plan where we get John open in the corner and we let him try and take the three. There's no balance to it. It, it gets difficult to watch sometimes because when it's clicking, it's beautiful basketball. Catch him on a fast break. You see Trey throw the ball down to DeJounte. He throws it back to Trey. He lobs it to John. It's a beautiful sequence to watch. But that's not what we see consistently from the Hawks. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, the, the, the issue is going to be defense going forward yeah I, I think that uh i think now that you pointed out I, I think you're totally right in that the hawks will go like however many possessions in a row of like playing like really good team basketball moving the ball around getting everyone involved and then they'll sort of just like flip a switch and just go like multiple trade isos in a row or multiple pick and rolls in a row and it's just like this back and forth there's not a lot of flow there's not a lot of like a combining of those two styles um throughout a game so yeah, I, I think so. Are you saying you you think that the right coach for this team is someone that will let Trey dominate the ball more? Is that what you think this team needs? No, I think it's somebody who can handle Trey's personality because he, you saw last year when Trey almost you know I thought was afraid he was going to break his hand you know punching chairs. This year you hear about the drama between him and Nate and their inability to get along. Right. You need a, a coach who can handle a superstar personality. Mm even if he's not necessarily a a superstar coach himself. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I I'm with you, yeah. I don't know what the answer is, is quite frankly. You know, a guy like Quinn Snyder comes to mind. Um, I, you know, that's probably an unrealistic expectation because he has to want to coach somewhere. But I don't want to just fire Nate and, you know, move on and try and hire somebody just off the street, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the issue is like Nate McMillan hasn't done a poor job by any means. Like there's not too much of a basis to fire him outside of you just feel like the team isn't as good as you want it to be, which, you know, that's often a reason why coaches do get fired. But yeah, he hasn't done a ton to warrant him being replaced. But it, I, I'm with you that it does feel like they could use a new voice because if if your best player is not going to mesh well with your coach, you're just you're not going to be successful as a team. And we've seen the past couple of years. Trey doesn't really seem to have a great relationship with McMillan. And it's unfortunate because it feels like when those reports came out a couple weeks ago about 
the the dispute or whatever it was between Trey and McMillan, it felt like uh, at least from the reporting that there was a lot of support for McMillan from the players as opposed to being in support of Trey Young. So it's unfortunate that obviously, you know, the Hawks are going to fire Nate McMillan before they trade away Trey Young. It's just how the, the NBA works. But um, yeah, it does feel like they, they might need a new voice. Yeah. And I don't, again, I don't know who that voice is, but it needs to be somebody who can handle a superstar personality at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And, and so much of the NBA is based around stars and superstars. And we use those words so loosely sometimes, but you're not winning games without Trey Young. And, and I've, yeah. I've seen yeah. a couple of people online on Twitter, on Instagram talking about, well, maybe we should trade Trey. One, that's never going to happen unless he demands out and, you know, yeah, we, we have a better, a good package for it. Two, why? What's the point? You know, you want DeJounte Murray to be your superstar? I'd love DeJounte Murray. He's quickly become my favorite player on this team. However, do I think he is what Trey Young is as far as a superstar caliber player that can lead you to wins? No, I don't believe that for a second. Yeah, no, DeJounte is fantastic. A great two-way guard, but not not the leader of your franchise. You know, not not your number one option. Um, I, I think the role he's in now works really well for him. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, not that he's incapable. You know, we saw him be the number one option on the Spurs, and he was really good, but, the, you know, the team wasn't. So, um, yeah, I think trading Trey, if that's ever going to happen, that's it's pretty far down the line, and that's going to come from, like, from his camp, not from the Hawks. So, yeah, any of those sort of rumors or people talking about that online, that's, that's not happening. Uh, I, I want to jump to DeAndre Hunter for a minute because he has been playing well as of late. And it feels like every time we talk about DeAndre Hunter, not even just me and you, but just talking about most discussions about DeAndre Hunter, it's always this sort of feeling of like being a little underwhelmed, feeling like he hasn't maximized his potential, feeling like he he could be a much better player than what we've seen from him. Um, but in the month of January, I mean, he's averaging 17 and five, which would be a first for him in any month of his career. So playing really well as of late. Um, have you seen anything new from him recently or do you just feel like this is maybe just like sort of a hot stretch? I definitely feel like this is a hot stretch. You know, you look at his his stats for the the season, pardon me. He's playing almost 32 minutes a game, averaging about 16 points a game, shooting 46% from the field and about 38% from 3. And while those sound like, wow, that's that's really good numbers, you know, like that's a that's a pretty good role player. That's a pretty good third or fourth option. Yeah, right. that sounds great. They're not I don't know how to describe it other than saying they're not they don't feel like impactful points. It feels like he's kind of just going out there, getting up his shots and coming back. And I don't know if it's a if it's a team thing, like he's not, as you pointed out, gelling together. I don't know if he's not gelling with the team, if it's just him and Nate also maybe have a little friction and it's a no-go there. The issue consistently is with DeAndre Hunter, you want him to do more and to step up and take on that leadership sort of role in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, when you're down five, when you're down mm-hmm. six and you need a bucket to just get back in the game, he's consistently not that guy. Yeah. You think about some of the close games we've had this year. A.J. Griffin, a rookie, has been the guy to come up and hit two buzzer beaters for us. Right. That's incredible. The question then becomes, we picked this guy number four overall with the Lakers pick. Why are we not, like, why, why did we do that? He's going to be doing an insane contract because of that. Whenever you draft someone in the top five lottery, doesn't matter whether they're one or five, you're going to have to pay that guy a lot of money. And so I think that's the real issue at the core of it is you are happy he's doing well and fitting into his role. But as the fourth overall pick in the NBA draft and a guy who's going to be due a whole heck of a lot of money, you just want to see more from him. You want him to step up, to really take control. Because it's not like when you watch the Hawks play, He's not a part of the offense or Trey and DeJounte are denying him the ball at all. It just feels like he gets in his own way a little bit, you know, and, but part of that, look, part of that's been, he's never really had a fully healthy season. He always gets dinged or banged up and has an elbow problem and a knee problem and an ankle problem and a spine problem and a back contusion. There's mm-hmm. always something. And that can obviously affect your confidence. It can affect your consistency, but you're healthy right now. And we can only judge you based on, what we see right now, what happened in the past happened in the past. It may affect how you play right now, but we can only judge you on how you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I'm usually not one to point to like 
empty stats or anything like that, but it does feel like for someone who's putting up 16 a game, Hunter's not really impacting the game offensively as much as he should be. Um, I don't, I don't know like how many touches he's getting a game, but it does feel like he needs to be more aggressive and like creating his own shot. It feels like a lot of his offense just comes from playing within the flow of what the Hawks have going on. I, I would definitely like to see him try to create his shot a little bit more. Uh, I, I think that's ultimately how he's going to reach his potential, but I, I, it might just be that, you know, DeAndre Hunter is a guy who, you know, averages 15 to 17 points per game and is like your fourth or fifth starter. And it's not really like a core piece of your team, but it's just like a damn good role player, which is perfectly fine. You know, every team needs um, those type of guys. But like you said, when you're the fourth overall pick, you you get those big contract extensions. Uh, he's owed. I think it's it's right around the range of 23 mil a year of the next four years. So, um yeah, he's definitely being paid like a, a fourth overall pick should, but he hasn't quite lived up to that production-wise. No, he is not. And I always, I, I've been pointing recently to Andrew Wiggins, you know? Mm. Andrew Wiggins got into a system where he could get the ball. He could be a third or fourth option. He didn't have to be the number one option. He didn't have to be just the number one overall pick. He was on the team with a superstar. But when they needed 15 rebounds in the finals, what did he go and do? When he got 15 rebounds, when they needed him to play one-on-one defense on Jason Tatum and stop the guy, what did he do? He played one-on-one defense on Jason Tatum and stopped the guy. That's kind of what I want to see. Not, not necessarily to that same extent, because I believe Andrew Wiggins is a better player than DeAndre Hunter. I want to see that type of effort from him, you know, averaging four rebounds a game. That's for a guy your size, four rebounds. Come on, man. You can do yeah. better than that. DeJounte averages more freaking rebounds than you. And it's not because he's taller or longer than you. He's just going for him more. You're giving us one assist a game. What does that tell me? It tells me that when you're take when you're part of the offense, you're getting into the flow of the offense by simply taking your shots. You're not helping right. create opportunities for others. Yeah, he's, he seems very much happens. like a, a play finisher at this point. He's not doing much to to create a lot of offense. Yeah, and for a guy who, you know, everybody, not everybody, pardon me, but a lot of people last year were giving Kawhi Leonard comp comparisons to. You're averaging less than half a steal. You're averaging a quarter of a block. Like, what's going on? Like, the defense, and yeah, I understand defense isn't about counting stats only, but you want to see a little bit more. Right. Than that. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, there's not really no, there's no stat that you can point to on the defensive end that really shows what you're doing on that side, but there is obviously correlation between how well you're playing on defense and what type of numbers you're putting up. So, yeah, he hasn't really been as active as I think you'd like on the defensive end. Um, I feel like that should be where a lot of his value comes from is as just like a, a really sizable wing defender. Um, but and not to say he's disappointed in that sense, but um, he hasn't really broken out as like this two way force that I think a lot of people were projecting when he was the number four overall pick. Um, let's go to a quick break. And then I want to uh, I want to throw some some mock trades at you, not only for this season, but some uh, some big picture ideas here. All right, coming back. So I wanted to get to some some mock trades that I had cooked up and I wanted to run them by you, get your thoughts on them, because the Hawks are definitely a team that could be very active at the deadline and could definitely, depending on how the season goes, be active this summer and moving some core pieces around. So just some a couple of mocks. I have three here that I, I want to throw at you, um, but I actually want to start first by talking about the report that came out I don't know, maybe just two, three days ago about the mock trade of John Collins going to the Heat where basically the Heat would be sending back Duncan Robinson, Cody Martin, and a pick. What were your thoughts on that? Do you like that idea for trade? Uh, no. Uh, in fact, I hate it. Um, <laughs> Duncan Robinson is is not the end. We need shooting. We don't need we don't need shooting that bad. I, I mean, whatever you want to say about John Collins, his ceiling to me is a guy who, in the right system, gives you 20 and 10 every night. Mm-hmm. He's a small ball caliber center or power forward. He actually does, has improved his shooting significantly. He's an effort guy on defense, if not always gifted physically, athletically, he's still very gifted. And the most underrated part of his game is that free throw shooting, man. He's an excellent free throw shooter. So Duncan Robinson is not a, you you talk about, well, it's a pick, it's Cody Martin. I, I don't care. We don't need any more guards. I don't really think. And Duncan Robinson does not solve any of our problems right now. Yeah, I get that. I didn't, I thought it was interesting when I saw it, but I didn't love it for the Hawks because like you said, Duncan Robinson, you know, if we were getting the Duncan Robinson from like the bubble or whatever, when he was hitting like 45, 46% of his threes, it's a little bit different, but Duncan Robinson's hardly even playable for, for Eric Spolster right now. So 
yeah, I, I didn't love the value. It felt like um, the pieces there, like Cody Martin and, and Duncan Robinson, I think would would help the Hawks, but it just wasn't good value for for someone like John Collins. But I thought it was interesting. I wanted to throw that one at you. Um, so I have three mock trades that I thought of, and it's built around like I, I think the the biggest like trade pieces for this Hawks team is Bogdanovich, who's getting 18 mil this year and then has a player option next season for 18 mil, which let's talk about that actually for a second. Do you say he doesn't get traded? Do you think he picks up that player option or do you think he thinks yeah, he's worth it? For more? sure. You think he does? For sure. I think he's going to be healthier too, and that's going to help him a lot. Um, the city of Atlanta loves Bogey. Mm-hmm. I, I, every Hawks fan I've spoken to just says the same thing. Like, I just wish the guy was healthy, but man, yeah. I love that guy, man. Because why wouldn't you? He's a shooter. He gets out there. You know, this is a city that had Cal Corver a few years ago. We love shooters, man. We love Yeah, them. yeah Kyle Corver just got – didn't he just get a role within the Hawks front office? He sure did. Uh, I believe – assistant oh man I, I don't remember what exactly yeah it was. some he sort was of role yeah just... under player development and i think yeah yeah further into the front office by the way losing travis schlenk kills me kills me inside a little bit yeah it does not fill me with hope for this season at all yeah no it's definitely it's never a good sign when when uh your gm has to step down like that but i think he's still too involved maybe yeah yeah that's that's never a good look for your franchise uh mid-season like that um but yeah, I do think Bogdanovich could be a big trade chip just given, you know, that salary that he has. And, you know, obviously Trey and Dez are like the two, you know, starting backcourt mates. So I do think he could be a, a trade chip. Justin Holiday making a little over six mil. And then obviously John Collins. Um, John Collins, 23 and a half mil this year, 25 next season, and then 26 and a half the following two years. So based on what you just said about Bogey, I'm assuming you're going to turn this one down rather quickly. But what do you think about the idea of swapping Bogey for Tim Hardaway Jr.? Someone that, I guess they're they're basically the same size, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is capable of guarding guys with a little bit more size. I feel, um, and does provide you know the off ball shooting. Would you would lose obviously the the creation ability of someone like Bogdanovich with that trade? But what are your thoughts on that swap? I like that swap. I think that's a pretty even swap. Honestly, uh, it helps Dallas. It gives them another pure shooter, another guy who can just catch the ball and let it fly, or you know go out there and help create his own shot. Get put some tick. Part of me take some pressure off Luca. And I love it for the Hawks because again, you know, you talk about the Hawks needing, you know, we added all these defensive pieces and our defense hasn't realistically gotten that much better. Tim Hardaway Jr. changes that for sure. Uh, I believe he is one of the most unsung heroes in this league. I think he is an excellent player at his, for what he is, not necessarily overall, but for what he is and the value you get him at. Yeah. I like that trade. Um, I don't know if I'd pull the trigger on it just because, Again, I, I like Bogey. I think he fits well with Trey and DeJounte coming off the bench or starting. But Tim Hardaway Jr. would certainly be able to play the three a lot better than Bogey, in my opinion. So. Right, right. Yeah, I felt like the the positional fit was just a little bit better, um, even if you know Bogey does have a little more of the, the on-ball juice. Uh, okay, interesting. So I, I didn't think you'd like that one based on what you just told me about Bogey. So, well, we'll just have Dallas throw in a second, and we'll call it into the league. Bring Tim, bring Tim Hardaway Jr. back to Atlanta, baby. Yeah, bring him back to Atlanta. There you go. It's just funny to think about, like, it, it like he played for the Hawks, but for some reason that feels like he's like it was so long ago, like it didn't even happen. But man, this is the same organization that passed on Chris Paul for Morgan William, Marvin Williams. I mean, I don't <laughs> to tell you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So the next one that I have here, it is both Holiday brothers. I actually think that the salary might not work perfectly with this, but it's both Holiday brothers for Jay Crowder. I think it's this one's a little bit risky, especially given that we don't know, like Crowder hasn't played all season. We don't know exactly what he's going to provide, but um, someone with, you know, a lot of positional versatility, someone that can is a proven, you know, playoff vet, but obviously getting rid of both holiday brothers does leave a little bit of a void in the backcourt. It does. But at the same time, the other problem it presents is now, what are you doing with John Collins? Cause now you have a log jam at that forward minute spot. Right. Right. I like that trade. I don't think for a second Phoenix would ever go for it. They're dead set on getting a pick for him, and we do not need to trade. We 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 barely have any left. We're not trading a pick for John or part of me, Jay Crowder. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know if that's his market, honestly. For one, I think the Spurs. I mean, the excuse me, the Suns should be trading only for like rotation pieces, not draft picks, unless they're you know they're going to use those picks to like go and make a bigger move. I guess. 
I feel like the Holiday Brothers would actually really help out the Suns because, I mean, they're playing Dwayne Washington at point guard. You know what I mean? I, I feel like Aaron Holiday can step in and take those minutes. And Justin Holiday, I mean, he's never really been like a big minutes guy for any team that he's played for. Um, but he's been in the league for as long as he has because he is just like a really solid bet. So I think yeah, he would a, help their wing depth for sure. He's a versatile defender. He's a right. you know decent. He's not a great shooter, but he's a decent shooter in the mm-hmm. minutes you give him. And yeah, I mean, look, we'd be losing two pieces that I actually like, and I really like this off season. Um, I don't think they have produced for Atlanta just because of the way the rotations have been set. The addition of Dejounte has obviously taken a lot more time to sort of gel than we wanted to uh i like I, I if phoenix would go for it i'd absolutely pull the trigger on that trade i think jay crowder would be a boon for atlanta it, it does again present some problems rotationally but problems that can be solved you yeah know. you figure it out right um so yeah it does feel like it would create a log jam uh, maybe if they were to make a move like that it's because they have like a collins trade lined up perhaps um one that i thought of because you go around the league, and yeah, there are plenty of teams that could use John Collins, but it's hard to come up with a trade package given his salary situation, given the fact that he's a power forward who can kind of play small ball five, but not really where you want him to be. Um, and he's by no means playing at the at the three spot. So, one that I thought of that you know is a little bit out there. You might shoot this down immediately because it might feel like low value. Um, but if the, if the Hawks are looking to move him, I think the Nets could be a landing spot uh, using Joe Harris as sort of the salary filler and then throwing in Cam Thomas and draft compensation as sort of like the sweetener for that deal. Do you think that's too low a value? Let's call it Joe Harris, Cam Thomas. I think you got to throw in Patty Mills for salary purposes and then a first-round pick. Being honest, I would rather have someone young like Dayron Sharp. I, I don't hate that. Um, I think... It makes no sense for Brooklyn to me personally, but I don't hate that. I don't think – I think Patty Mills is kind of – we need shooting, but we don't need shooting that small. We've got enough size. Yeah, no, Patty this. Patty Mills would strictly be for the salary. I mean, hopefully you get Joe Harris to sort of come back to form in that deal, and then you know you take Cam Thomas as like a, a young flyer as well as the draft pick. Joe Harris is an underrated defender at his position, but by no means a good defender at his position. And this Agreed. is the issue I'm going to have with the trade overall is – you're potentially going to have lineups with Bogdan Bogdanovich, Trey Young, and Joe Harris in the same lineup. And I'm just, it, it just thinking about it makes me want to shoot myself in the foot. Yeah. You know? that, yeah. You, you do bring up a good point. Those lineups would get torched. They would be difficult to manage for sure. Um, I think if you were able to throw in, I, I like Cam Thomas. I don't, maybe I'm just blind, but I don't understand necessarily the hype around him. Um, I, I, I like him as a player, but I don't think he's that dude or anything. And well, he's young and he's got upside. The problem the Hawks have right now is we've got a lot of young guys with upside, maybe too many. And we need to start figuring out who's staying, who's going. I would only take that realistically if you would expand it into a three team trade that got us a little more draft compensation. Maybe again, you talk about packaging the Holiday Brothers somewhere maybe cam thomas or patty mills goes elsewhere and the nets get back another piece they can use and then the hawks are able to get a little more draft compensation that we can then use to turn around and try and get another piece with um i i yeah i I, as strictly a two-team trade i i don't think i'd take that it's a you know it sounds great if people would immediately think you're crazy joe why wouldn't you take that you know that's you're training john collins for draft compensation potentially three players the question is not so much the value of the trade itself as what the value brings back to Atlanta based on where we were aiming for this season and what we're trying to do. You know, realistically, this team should be able to avoid a playing game. Even as currently constructed, I don't see why we shouldn't be, it, it, provided we continue to trend upwards like we have been, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to get back into the sixth or fifth seed and sort of avoid that play-in situation. Yeah, I, I I would say no to that trade personally. Yeah, none of those three guys on paper are obviously anywhere nearly as good as John Collins, but I do think this is the type of deal that the Hawks should be looking for if they are going to move John Collins, sort of breaking up his salary into multiple pieces. Um, because just the, the way that the uh, the Hawks salary cap is sort of structured right now, given like all the the big contracts they have tied up at the at the top of their salary books, so I think 
if they're going to move Collins, a deal where you know they get some shooting, they get some draft compensation, maybe they they get a young guy as well, um, and just sort of break up that big twenty five million dollars salary into some more movable assets so that they have just more flexibility around the core as they sort of build this out in the coming years. So the the major point that I'm making here, the reason why I think you know the Hawks could be active not only at the trade deadline but also this offseason, depending on how the year plays out is because this is a team that has really tied themselves up in terms of salary and the terms of their flexibility and when it comes to building around this core moving forward um this is a team that you know is sort of middling right now they're they're an eight seed in the eastern conference as a team that has higher expectations than that but you look at uh the 24 25 season just two years from now this team already has 123 million dollars locked up between Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter. Someone's gonna have to go. You, you got your head in your hands. Um, someone's uh, gonna have to go if they're gonna keep Dejounte Murray next season. Dejounte makes like 17 mil, something like that, and then he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So something's gonna have to change with the core of this team if they're gonna keep Dej around after next season. And you know the, the cap is expected to to take a significant jump up soon. But we don't exactly know when that's going to be. We don't know exactly what sort of jump that's going to be. So $123 million for four players uh, for a team that has one conference finals appearance but hasn't really done much together, it's it's a lot of guaranteed money that, that's tied up into the future of this team. So I think that there are definitely changes coming. And obviously, we've already talked about Trey. He's the face of the franchise. He's the, you know the leader of this team. He's not getting moved unless that's what he wants. Um, but between... Let's say I think because Collins has been in trade talks so often that I think he's the easy answer. But between, say, Capella and Hunter, who do you think they would be more likely to move if it meant, you know, keeping DeJounte Murray? Because it does feel like, you know, they didn't give up three first round picks to just keep Dej around for like two seasons. You know what I mean? I think probably DeAndre because he's going to have more overall trade value going forward. Um, it, it Like I said uh, on the previous podcast when we talked about the Hawks, and we talked about Capella. If you're going to trade Clint Capella, it has to be within the next, either by the deadline or by next offseason. Because to me, he's just getting older. His value every year decreases. He can't stay healthy consistently. You know, his production, while it's still, I mean, for what he is, good. Is it really worth his salary? Not necessarily, but hey, you take what you can get in this league. Um. And two, again, this all goes back to I thought Onyeka was going to be more ready than he is. And I think ultimately DeAndre Hunter, while having two-way wings is invaluable in this league, you need somebody to anchor your defense. You have to have somebody to anchor the defense. And if it's Clint Capella, so be it. Um, If Onyeka next year takes a jump and says, I can be that guy, so be it. But... Yeah, I, I think my honest answer is I, as of right now, today, July, pardon me, January 21st, 2023, I, I think moving on from both of them is probably what we need to be looking at. I think we're too invested in too many guys, as you pointed out, four players, 123, <sighs> 123 <laughs> million. Hey, Wizards. Um, I think it's not this simple. But I think if we want to maximize the potential of Trey and DeJounte and to truly build around them going forward, we need to trade all three of those guys, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and uh, Clint Capella. Now, is that a realistic option? No, because you're not going to get the value you want back for them. You never are. When you're trading a high-priced player who you feel like has significant value, you're not going to get back what you hope you will for them. Now, I'm not going to stoop so low as to say, screw it, let's just trade him for Jay Crowder. I'm not going to do that. Let's screw it, trade him for Duncan Robinson. I'm not going to do that because that doesn't actually help us win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talked earlier, the Hawks are playing right now. They they actually lost by two to a LaMelo ballless Hornets, which, you know, Yikes. great. Snap that five win streak. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> 500. You know, it's it's just. And, and to the point, John Collins is getting paid how much and has 11 points tonight? It's just hard because you want the guy to succeed, but you want your team to succeed just as much, maybe more. 
So big picture, what do the Hawks do? Stay active around the trade, trade deadline. If you can't get anything going, try and finish the season strong. See if you can get Bogey, Clint, those guys healthy. See what you can do. Maybe look, maybe you do make it to the 60. Maybe this is not just a five-game streak, but this is now going to be the trend. We go upwards. We make that sixth seed, that fifth seed. We're able to get into the first round and really try and maybe, depending on who we play, maybe make some noise. Maybe we mm-hmm. don't make it further than that. That's fine. But at least we make some noise. You know, we put up a fight. Let AJ continue to develop. Keep giving him touches. Let him continue to go. Because you don't have to pay him for another, what, year, two years maybe? You can stretch well, that. Yeah, this is only his rookie year. So with the year, with so the team two, options, he'll still have three seasons after this. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to have to pay him for a while. Now, I'm not advocating for not paying your players. And that's what this franchise consistently does is not pay its players. But you've got a couple of years to worry about that. So let right. him develop. Really focus on his development and let him become more comfortable within the offense with Trey, with DeJounte, because those should be the guys you focus this team around going forward. This team was built around Trey Young two years ago. Perfectly built around Trey Young, in my opinion. Kevin Herter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Capella, even John Collins back then was still a lob threat, and he was a vertical threat at the rim. So it made sense. It worked. The problem is you can't just put Trey on the floor for 24 minutes and DeJounte the other 24. They have to share the floor. Right. If they're going to share the floor, you need more spacing than that. You need a lot more spacing than that. So, again, big picture going forward. The Hawks should be active around the trade deadline. See what you can pick up, but don't commit to anything you feel like you're underselling on. Mm-hmm. Don't give up any more first-round picks. For the love of God, don't give up any more of our picks. Not that I regret the trade for DeJounte, but it was a lot of first-round picks. you know. And then in the offseason, see what's out there. See who's available. See who you can tempt, maybe, to come to Atlanta. You're not going to get a superstar-caliber player to come play with these guys. But you mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. What about a player of that caliber? You know? a solid role player, a vet who's been in this league, a guy who can step up in big moments and really be that option for you when you need him most. And otherwise just plays the right way. Those are the guys you need to start adding to this roster shooters who can play some defense. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm fully in agreement with you there. I think I actually, I don't necessarily know they need to trade all three of those guys between Hunter Collins and Capella, but a decision does need to be made. Um, It's just too much salary tied up into those three guys. And it's just not the right mix. Like those are three really good guys, but not the right mix around the Trey and Dej backcourt. Like you said, they need spacing and none of those guys really threaten the defense. Like Hunter and Collins can shoot the three ball. They will take threes, but not exactly what you would call floor spacers. So yeah, if they can break up those salaries into, I mean, I think you probably need like a third guy, like a third quote unquote option or whatever, but just breaking up those salaries into just more like flexible pieces just to give the team like more options, more flexibility moving forward. I'll tell you what, though. I am going to keep banging my head on my desk, my fist as well. Get me Kyle Kuzma. Please yeah. get me a player like Kyle Kuzma. Get me a scorer, somebody else who can attack the basket and make buckets happen consistently. Yeah, I mean, every team could use like a big forward who could put the ball in the basket. But yeah, the Hawks would thrive with the kuzma i think because kuzma like kuzma this season in particular i feel like has been he's been like filling the role that i feel like deandre hunter should have been doing with like kuzma's ability to like create create offense great looks for himself while still being somewhat of a distributor um and then contributing on the defensive end as well like what we've seen from kuzma this year is kind of like what the hawks were probably expecting from deandre hunter absolutely and look he fills that four spot he can right, rebound. Right. Kyle Kuzma can rebound. Who would yeah. have thought Kyle Kuzma <laughs> can rebound? Uh, what does John Collins do best? He jumps at the rim and rebounds. So, look, I, I'm not saying you have to get Kyle Kuzma, although I am, again, that is one of my favorite players, and I would love him on this team. You know, you need somebody who can be that offensive option for you, somebody else who can attack the basket but space the floor as well. You don't need somebody to give you 30 points a game. You don't need someone to give you 25 points a game. If you had somebody who could come in and give you 18 to 20 consistent points a game as a third option, and even then, realistically, a second option, because I know DeJounte would benefit from being moved to more of a distributor, able to get Trey the ball in his spots, and maybe Kuz the ball in his spots, play defense, and be a third option, that would be ideal. you know. But again, your center point is Trey. 
The next piece you build around, DeJounte, go. But you have to make some changes because the eighth seed for what we have, the money we have in this team, and the expectations that not only we as fans put on this team, but I think the team put on itself and the media put on it. Nobody, I don't think anybody really expected them to be the eighth seed at this point in the season, given the players we've had available, because we've had players available. We may not have been fully healthy, but to say we didn't start the season with a good team is just not true. Right. Yeah. This team, this team has not uh, met expectations to say the least. Um, One thing before we get out of here, and this is just, you know, probably just bad podcasting by me because this is probably the first thing that we should have talked about, but Trey Young shooting this season, he's not shooting the three ball. Well, I want to say he's what last I checked, he's like 32% on the season on a a shit ton of attempts. Um, What do you think is going on there? Uh, The answer is a lot more simple than people think it is. He is not a player who thrives. I, I've always argued that Trey is not a shooter. He's a scorer. Mm, okay. and what I mean by that is he needs to get inside. He needs to see the ball go in the basket. Just like a, oh, I talked about Kyle Kuzman. That's another guy. He needs to see the ball hit the bat. Why didn't he work as a relegated three-point corner shooter in L.A.? Because that's not what he does. Right. He needs to see the ball go in the basket. Let him get into the mid-range. Let him get to the cup a couple times. Let him see the ball go in the basket and then he's going to start to feel more comfortable and start shooting. Look, his shooting's never been great. I mean, what did he shoot last season? I think he shot 37, 38%. That ain't great. He's got the range. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the consistency, but that's not going to change if he can't get inside. See, again, I'm, I cannot hammer this enough home. home. Pardon me, hammer this home enough. He needs to see the ball, go in the basket, and then he will start to open up a little more. The offense will flow more freely. And that's not happening with you know, lineups we've seen this year of Clint Capella, John Collins, and Onyeko Kongu on the floor. As much as I have screamed at my television when I've seen it, I've seen those lineups. It's just hard to watch sometimes. I think that's the biggest contributor. Part of it is probably, too, he's been a little banged up. But even then, you can't have that level of excuse. As a superstar caliber player with the offensive talent he has, given offense is really all you're known for, Mm -hmm. you need to be better, man. And he probably won't hear this, but Trey, I love you. Please, please, please spend this offseason working on your freaking three-point shooting. I love oh. that you have a mid-range shot, but it does not matter if you're not using it. Well, you didn't you didn't know that Trey Young is an avid listener of the Hoop Journal podcast? Are you kidding oh, me? I didn't. Well, Trey, we gotta have a conversation. Hit my line. <laughs> yeah, Trey's listening right now. What's up, Trey Young? Um <laughs> anyway, yeah, bottom line is he needs to be better. Um, he's just he's not getting it done. Like you you look at the counting stats and he's still like actually he might not be top five points per game, but he's, he's putting up like 29 points per game and he's second in assists, which, you know, last season he was, I think what first in total points and total assists. So like the, the counting stats are there, but it's coming on a really high volume. You know what I mean? So he's gotta be, he's gotta be more efficient with it. Well, and it's, last year he was more efficient and what happened? He was leading the league. Even at this point, exactly. the season, he was leading the league in assists total points. He was leading the league in total assists. Now, we were bad last year, and it showed, but we were also one of the most hurt teams in the league last year. So mm-hmm. you don't have those excuses this year, Trey. Yeah, I get it. The offense has changed. DeJounte's changed things. You don't have the space. Ultimately, you're getting paid how much money? You need to figure it out, man. Right. Yeah, Max Player, at the end of the day, like you got you to gotta be better than what he's been so far. But, yeah, I mean, the Hawks were, what, the second-ranked offense in the league last year when he was shooting the ball efficiently? So... Yeah, if he can if he can just get back to even just the player he was last year, he doesn't have to take some incredible leap forward from the player that he was. If he could just be what he was last year, I think this Hawks team would be a lot better because yeah, they lack spacing, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the guy who has the ball in his hands more than anyone else is shooting 32% from three this season. So yeah, like getting him shooters to space out for him would help his own three-point shooting, but at the end of the day, like he's he's got to just put the ball in the basket more. More efficiently, I should say, because 29 points per game is a lot. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's not just that. It's his field goal percentage overall. I mean, he's not right. shooting as well from the mid-range either. Right. Yeah, so I think the Hawks will be very active. I want to say the trade deadline is, what, February 8th, if I'm not mistaken? Um, so we're it's coming up quickly here, less than, less than three weeks away. And uh, I do think the Hawks are going to be very active, regardless of how they play over the next few weeks. I definitely think we're going to hear a lot of rumors, a lot of potential deals, and we'll see what happens. I mean, John Collins is slowly turning into Miles Turner with – how long he's been in these trade rumors and you know I, I it was actually reported that like the hawks are letting him seek out his own trade 
So that's definitely like one of the steps towards like you being on your way out. It's like the team's like, yeah, you you can help us trade you. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, Miles Turner still remains a pacer to this day. So you never know. But it's uh, just a mess right now. The whole John Collins thing. It's been three years. Can we just I love him to death. The posters he's given me over the last couple of years. Look, I can't stand Philly 76ers fans, and it's so fun just posting that picture of him dunking on Embiid. Oh, yeah, that, that's – yeah, and him just, wearing the T-shirt of that dunk is so iconic. Such, But it's iconic. not going to win us a championship, and that's ultimately what I want. So right. all the love to him. We need to see what we can do going forward. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. So uh, before we get out of here, anything you want to plug? Any shout-outs or anything like that? Just as always, the Hope Journal podcast. Listen yeah. wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple. Uh, yeah, wherever you get your podcast, listen to the podcast. Appreciate that, man. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode. I actually, I have a ton of guests lined up. I just have to get everything scheduled. So I'm hoping to start really cranking out these podcast episodes uh, in the coming weeks. You know, for the really for the rest of the season and and moving forward in general. Um, been kind of slacking in 2023. It's only my second pod in the last like month and a half, but I promise you, <laughs> Joe's giving me the, uh, what do you even call that? I don't know. The old, the, the old shame look. Yeah. The old shame. What, yeah. Whatever. They don't need to see it, but, uh, yeah. So we're going to start coming with, with more, with more podcasts very soon. Maybe even another one tomorrow. Well, this will go out Sunday, I think. And then I'll probably record again Sunday. Hopefully have another pod Monday. So Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, As always, make sure you like, subscribe, all those good things, and we'll be back soon.